by natural circumstances. We're not moved by what we see, by how we feel. We're moved by His Word and His goodness. And I pray that you're seeing that goodness in your life. If you're going through some stuff right now, uh, God is there with you. And He's there to get you out of it, there to get you through it. Amen. You just keep your trust in Him. Uh, Last week, we began to uh, touch on some things concerning vision. I really wanted to take this month. This is a month when we get people back in a routine as far as, uh, you know, summer's over. Um, I know outside it feels like it just began um, because we've been spoiled all summer long with a bunch of rain. But uh, summer's over in the sense that people aren't traveling as much and kids are back in school. We're back to somewhat of a routine. And um, so I wanted to take this month to just kind of discuss vision a little more. And last week, uh, we covered the vision of this church specifically, the vision of this church to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. And uh, we kind of just gave a brief overview of how this church is doing that, Um, how we began in 2004 in St. Augustine, Florida, um, how the vision grew from there, and we knew that the opportunity to expand in other locations was going to be our biggest uh, key to influencing or impacting the nation and making an impact. You know, there's different diagrams, there's different patterns. There is no cookie-cutter version for what church is supposed to look like. Uh, we just need to all be founded on one thing, that we need to be his church. Amen? Uh, Just because we have church on the outside of our building doesn't make us church. Just because we have someone we call pastor and have areas of ministry, that doesn't make you a church. It makes you a church when you are established on the word of God because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give to the church the keys of the kingdom of heaven. But he said, I will build upon this rock. What was that rock? The foundation of the word of God. If Jesus is not the foundation, we're not his church. If entertainment is the foundation, if uh, shows is the foundation, um, if our foundation is in buildings or finances or how many people we have, then we're not his church. Our foundation always has to be in him, in Jesus Christ. And so that's where we find our foundation. But uh, we knew that our biggest area of influence as far as how we would reach this nation was going to be through uh, planting different churches across the nation. This is the first one that we have outside of St. Augustine, Florida. We've been here a little over two years, well, almost two years now. Um, And and so we're going to continue doing that. And then we saw that we are uh, also called to influence the world. And uh, our biggest area of influence in the world is in the Caribbean Sea. And so we've already got a church planted in Puerto Rico right now. In fact, I had a video to show you from the team that was there uh, just this past week, uh, but I wasn't able to get it loaded uh, fast enough. We will show it next week um, of the work that was done there. But last week I showed you what we did in Nicaragua because we're in Nicaragua. We're in Puerto Rico. We're making influence there. Um, I'm going to be going back myself in December, traveling back down to Nicaragua and training up the leaders Uh, and and, and the men investing in them that are there, that are continuing that work. So we are igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world. We saw last week that the vision 
is the biggest key. The vision is the biggest key. You got to know that you're not hooking up to a person. You're not hooking up to an individual or a ministry or organization. You're hooking up to the vision. And God said in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, write down the vision, make it clear so that they who read it may run with it. The vision is not there just so we can put it up on a wall and say, oh, that's what the vision is, ignite the city, impact nation, influence the world. No, it's there to make it clear and say, okay, that's what I get to run with. That's what I get to be a part of. That's what I get to be an influence in. The vision is there so that those who read it can run with the vision. So they can come and say, all right, how can I hook up? How can I be a part of what God is doing? Because I'm going to tell you right now, this church and this ministry, this organization will change the world. But vision is not what you see. See, we get sight and vision mixed up. Sight is what you currently see, what is visible, what is what you're able to grab a hold of right now. And if we're only moved by sight, based upon what you see here today, uh, it could look small. But I want to go ahead and let you know something, that nothing that God does is small. Everything he does is big. It's huge. It's beyond us. Even where we're at today, two years from my wife and I being here in this town, even where we're at today, it is massive to God. And so we have to own it that way. I don't call ourselves a small church. And we've told y'all, you know, don't tell people, oh, we're just a small church just starting up. No, we are a beginning church. Because there's nothing that God does that is small. It's huge. And so we've got to grab hold of it. We have to see the vision the way God sees the vision. And so when God sees vision, when God has vision for something, it's always beyond what we currently see. If, if it's what you can see today, that's called sight. That's within my, my actual view, what I can actually look at with my natural eyes. But God wants us to see beyond what we currently see. God wants us to see beyond where we're at today. He wants us to see beyond uh, 2,000 square feet. He wants us to see beyond the amount of people that we have hooked up with us today. He wants this thing to grow. He wants this thing to be big. He wants this thing to be big to us because it's big to him. Because igniting this city, that's no small task. Impacting this nation, that's no small task. Influencing the world, that is no small task. And that's what God has called us to do. In 2014, I told you when I first moved there in July of 2004, not 2014, 2004, when I moved there, it looked small. Naturally speaking, site-wise, we're, we're in a middle school. We're setting up and tearing down every single service. We, are, uh, we, we had 17 people. And most of them had relocated from other places to hook up with the vision which you are now currently seeing. We just had one couple move here from Florida. Next month, we'll have another one. I already got a phone call that another one's coming next, next summer. I mean, people are being drawn here from outside of Valdosta. It's hard for me to say, God, is it, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe this isn't when everybody else is hearing that. That's just more confirmation that we're doing what God has called us to do. But it looks small. And the vision looked insurmountable. The, the vision looked like something that was so far off, but yet we're seeing a portion of it take place today. What we're seeing done today, being in another state, 
being in another country, being in another region of the world. That looks so far just nine and a half years ago. But now we're seeing a portion of that. But now God has called us to do even greater things. God wants us to ignite this city. God wants us to impact the people that we live around, that we see day to day at our jobs, in our neighborhoods, the people that we go to school with, the people that we have contact with on a regular basis. That's why we're in the city. We are a light in darkness. You know, light has its, does its greatest work when it's completely dark. I could turn a flashlight on right now, and you could see it, and it would do a portion. But if I were to flip all the lights off and black out all the windows and turn that flashlight in, you're going to see it even at a greater dimension. The darker the world gets, you realize, the brighter the church gets to shine. And that's not a time to dim our light and to fade in. That's a time to shine even brighter and show people the way out of darkness. They're looking for a way. This city needs Jesus. You know, it's, it's tough. I mean, I remember when we first came here and we were just traveling back and forth and, you know, we hadn't fully established that we were moving here and, and, and whatnot and the church was here before that. And when we were coming up, you know, there's a lot of churches here. There's a church almost, you know, what they say, there's, there's churches and banks on every corner. There's a lot of churches and you can be thinking, what do we need to do? Why are we going there? This is a very churched up town. But I began to realize that there's some things that this town is sunken in that we can pull people out. We can pull people out of religion. We can pull people out of tradition. People that are going to church and they don't know why they're going to church. I want to bring a why. I want to bring purpose to what we do. Why do we go to service on Sunday mornings? Why do we go to Wednesday night Bible study on Wednesdays? Why do we do prayer meetings? Why do we do this? Why do we do that? I want to bring purpose to all that. And I'm not saying they don't have purpose, but I'm saying that we are called here to bring that purpose. And the, uh, the changes that we can make in this city, the uh, ministries that we can help support and impact, the, 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 the organizations and the outreaches we can do and be a part of, it's bigger than where we're at today. Look at uh, Exodus chapter 25. I want to continue in this vein. Uh, the title of my message today is Commit to the Vision. Commit to the Vision. One of the, uh, one of the toughest things in the world today that we're dealing with is people with commitment issues. Uh, today, we don't, commitment is not a very high-valued character. As soon as things go wrong, um, as, soon as, things, as soon as we come into troubles and things that kind of oppress what we're doing, whether it be a marriage, whether it be a job, whether it be school, whether it be raising kids, uh, commitment, you know today, especially in our nation, that's a hard thing to come by. People that will commit to do something no matter what. People that will commit regardless of how they were hurt in their past or what had happened in a certain situation. People that will commit and say, I'm going to be a part of that through thick and thin. I'm not going anywhere. And when we're talking about the vision, 
when we're talking about church, most people think of church about I'm going to get something. But I want to show you a side of God that when he calls you to a certain place, he calls you to bring something just as much as get something. God calls you to support something. God calls you to commit to something. And see, that's why we don't, we don't have church membership. We don't call it that. And, you know, a lot of times we'll, we're fine with people, uh, you know, people ha- are okay going to some place until the commitment rises. You know, it's kind of like, you know, today with marriage. You know, we, wanna, we want all the benefits of marriage without actually having to commit to being with one person for the rest of our life. That's the scary part. But yet we want the, the benefits that come along with it. We want to go ahead and bring that commitment all the way through. When, when uh, Paul talked about the church, he said that we are the bride of Christ. So that shows you the level that Jesus has for his church. He wants that church to be his bride. He wants that church to partner with him, to commit with him, to perform his will in the earth. And so there's a commitment side. There's a partner side. We don't have church membership. We call it vision partnership. You're partnering with the vision because partnership has two roads. Partnership goes both ways. We offer something to you and you bring something to the church. That's what partnership is all about. And I want to show you in God's word that he has outlined this on a regular basis. In Exodus chapter 25, Exodus chapter 25, and uh, we're going to just start with verse 1. Now, keep in mind, these are the Israelites that just came out of Egypt. They were slaves for 430 years. That's all they've known is slavery. They haven't owned a thing. They've, they haven't had to use their brains. They've been told what to do on a daily, regular basis. Now they come out of Egypt. They get all the spoils of the land. God blesses them. And watch what he does here in verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. God brings the Israelites out of Egypt, gives them all the spoils, and he says, Now give me an offering. He takes up an offering. Takes up an offering for people that have never known what it is to own something, never known what it is to do something on your own and be free. And the first thing he does is says, now bring me an offering. Bring me something. Bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. See, God isn't wanting to take anything from you. God wants you to freely give of what he's already given to us. Now, I'm not just talking about money, so don't, don't, uh, you know, don't get sideswiped on me here. We're going beyond that because we can bring all kinds of offerings. His word says, offer up a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes God just wants to be praised and glorified in the midst of all your mess. Sometimes he just wants you to bring an offering of love, of care, of glory, of passion to him. Sometimes he wants you to give of your service. Sometimes he wants you uh, to, to give of your time. So there are many ways that we can offer up sacrifices 
to God. And so he says, bring an offering. Uh, give it willingly from your heart. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, uh, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins, dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Notice that he's asking for the best stuff. He's not asking for the leftovers. He's not asking uh, for, uh, you know, the seconds. He's asking for the best stuff. God always wants the best. God always gets the best. God doesn't get the time of day that you have left over at the end of the day after you're done doing all your stuff. No, we need to make him first priority in our life. Matthew chapter 6 says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not second, not third. He wants to be first. He wants to have first place in our lives. So he's asking for the best. And he says here in verse 8, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings. Just, just so you shall make it. So here's what we have. God gives the plan. God gives the vision. And then we contribute to the vision. God lays out the vision. God lays out the pattern and the plan for his church. God's the one that gives that. I'm not giving the vision for this church. Well, that's what Pastor Mark said he wanted to do. No, it's not what Pastor Mark said he wanted to do. That's Pastor Mark following the leading of the Holy Spirit in being the pastor of this church, being the leader of this church. I'm following God. So you got to understand that. You're never following a man. You're never just hooking up with an organization. You are hooking up with the vision that God has given. So God lays out the vision, and then he calls each one of us to contribute to the vision, to be a part of the work. We said last week, the vision is bigger than all of us, but it requires each one of us. Every single person that walks through that door has something to bring, has something to give. You have a talent, you have a finance, you have time, you have a service that you can bring to the vision that God has given us. And that's how we change people's lives. See, sometimes we do the little tasks that, you know, we're assigned in church and, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just watching the kids today, you know, no big deal. I'm just singing in the worship team. I'm just, uh, you know, running the sound. I'm just you know, passing an offering bucket, and we don't realize that that is our role, our assignment to help change the world. That's how we change the world. We can't minimize our assignments. We can't make them smaller than they really are. We got to understand that my call is the greatest call on the face of the planet because God has called me. You're in the body as it pleases him, not me. You're in the body as it pleases him, not the head over that area of ministry. Well, you know, if I, if I serve with the kids, you know, Pastor Mark, he'll be happy. No, God will be happy. God gets pleasure when you serve in your role, in your, in your assignment. God's the one that gets the pleasure out of that. We're in the body as it pleases him. This is, the pastor role is not any higher than any other role or assignment in this church. That's just the position. The shepherd is on the same 
field, the same playing field as the sheep. He just has a different assignment. And sometimes we devalue the roles because we don't have a microphone in our hand or we're not talking to a lot of people or, uh, you know, the, you know, those are the great ones and then, you know, the back ones are just all the behind-the-scenes stuff. No, all of it is necessary because guess what? I can't do it all. I can't go watch the kids right now and minister to you. I can't be back there running the sound and be up here preaching. That would be kind of weird. If I was in the back preaching and running all the verses and the sound and everything, and you're just looking up here wondering, okay, who's leading this thing? Who's talking? No, we've got to have a mindset of every role, every assignment is valuable to God. So you come to contribute. You come to bring something. And we got to get this mentality of takers. we got to get rid of that, and we got to come being givers. Because God is very clear that when you give, you shall receive. It'd be amazing, no matter how hurt you are, no matter what's going on in your life, if we came with the mindset of, I'm going to bless someone else's life today, watch how your life will be blessed through that. Man, I, you know, I don't have the finance to give, but you give, and then watch what God does on the back end. Because he said that he will take care of you when you take care of his stuff. God has placed us in his kingdom not to be spectators, but to be participators. That's ultimately what God wants. And I'm not saying you won't get anything, but you will find that you will get more when you come with the mentality of what can I bring to the table? How can I help? How can I give? How can I sow? How can I serve? We've got to, we have to develop this picture of being a, giver and not just a taker uh second chronicles second chronicles chapter two jimmy if you can change the text of that to white that would help out <clears throat> amen hallelujah second chronicles chapter two verse one if you have your bibles i can uh you can follow along there don't forget we're on uh you know you version as well um, that always helps Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 1. Then Solomon determined to build a temple for the name of the Lord and a royal house for himself. So he's building a temple for who? The Lord. He's building it for the Lord. But watch this, verse 2. Solomon selected 70,000 men to bear burdens, 80,000 to quarry stone in the mountains, and 3,600 to oversee them. What did Solomon need? Solomon needed people to come alongside the vision and support the vision. They had something to give. They, have, they had something to contribute. They didn't just sign up and say, yeah, we want to be a part of what God's doing. We want to be in the kingdom and then just sit around and just take everything. No, they came and said, now what can I do? How can I give? How can I help support the vision that's at hand the vision was greater than solomon solomon couldn't do all that work by himself solomon couldn't build this massive palace in this massive temple to glorify god by himself he needed people to come alongside the vision 
they weren't just supporting Solomon. They were supporting the vision that God had given because it was God that wanted to build a temple. It was God that wanted to build the tabernacle in the middle of the wilderness. But he told Moses and he told Solomon, get people to come alongside you and support the cause. Get people to come alongside and build me a place where I can live. If you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 5, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, just a few chapters over. See, when we hook up together in one heart, one vision, and come with a heart to serve, come with a heart to contribute, God will meet that place. God will come to that place. Look what happens in verse 13. In verse 13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. You understand that when we come contributing alongside the vision, we are making one sound. It's not a bunch of people in here doing their own thing. It's everyone coming alongside the one vision that God has given us, and we are making one sound, glorifying, praising, and thanking him. That's why we're here, to give him the glory, to give him the praise. Praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever that the house the house of the lord was filled with the cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the lord filled the house of god this is what happens when people come in one mind in one accord god will come to that place god's presence will fill that place his glory came so strongly in this passage that the priests couldn't even do their job. They couldn't even remain in the building. Look, I don't want to meet just to give us an opportunity to just continue to fulfill religious practice and ritual. I want to meet because I know I'm meeting God today. God's going to come down because, look, you didn't come here to see me. You didn't come here to hear me because I can't do anything for you. I'll just go ahead and let you know. But God can. And when we come together and we have people serving in the areas that God has assigned them, when we have people participating in the vision and in the work, when we have people doing that, God comes to that place and he comes down and he meets people's needs. Because he's the only one who can do it. He's the only one that can take care of it. He's the only one that can take care of that depression. He's the only one that can heal that marriage. He's the only one that can give you a sense of purpose and hope in life. He's the only one that can get rid of the sickness that's in your body. He's the only one that can fill you with his joy. We can't come to church just wanting to just sit back and just get my message for the day, go eat my buffet lunch, and then do my week all over again. God wants more than that. God has more than that. And when we come with the mindset, I'm coming to hook up with one vision, one accord. I'm coming to hook up with someone else that's running the same thing that I'm doing. 
then watch the vision come to pass. This vision, even though being done in multiple locations, is all being done with the same heart, the same mind, people coming together in one accord. There's people meeting right now uh, 200 miles away in St. Augustine, Florida. There's people meeting right now across the ocean in Puerto Rico. Doing what? One mind, one heart, one accord. And God is in all those locations right now. God is here with us today. That's how we fulfill our purpose, and that's how God gets his work done in the earth. You realize that God can't do anything without using you and I. He needs us. He needs us. God wants us, and he needs us to accomplish his will and his purpose. We're not going to change the world because two people left a small town in Florida and came up here. We're going to reach the world because two people were obedient to God to answer the call in their lives, and then others were too, and came and hooked up with the vision that the leader was bringing, hooked up with the vision that God had assigned, and that's how we'll reach the world. That's how we'll save lives. That's how we'll see this city come to Christ. We've got to have that mindset. Now, I've just shown you two instances in the word where God has given a vision to one person, to Moses and to Solomon, and then required people to come alongside it. And the vision in both of those locations was a tabernacle and a temple. The purpose of the tabernacle, the purpose of the temple, was to house the presence of God. Because something happened in Genesis chapter 3 when man disobeyed and God had to remove his spirit from man. If you go over to Genesis chapter 6 where Noah shows up, he says there, I have to remove my spirit from man. My spirit cannot live inside of man. So now what does he need? If he's going to be ever present in the earth, he needs a tabernacle. He needs a temple that's built just for him. But we know that Jesus came back, died on the cross. And Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we could get into heaven. Jesus died on the cross so that the Holy Spirit could get back inside of us. Now, yes, you'll go to heaven when you die. That's the end result. But God had a bigger picture than just yanking all of us up out of the earth and taking us to heaven. He had a bigger goal in mind. He said, I want to get back in the earth. I created the earth for a reason. I put man on the earth for a reason, and I want man to be able to fulfill that purpose that I gave to Adam and that I gave to Eve in the garden. And so he came, cleaned you up on the inside, got rid of all the junk. Jesus died on the cross for all your sins so that you wouldn't have to deal with them any longer. And then he says, now I can place my spirit back inside of man. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So now we don't need a physical tabernacle or temple to house the Spirit of God. Well, then how does God get in the earth? If he doesn't have a tabernacle, he doesn't have a temple, 
I'm going to tell you right now, it's not church. It's not a church building. It's different than that. It's not a church building. This isn't where God lives. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. He doesn't live here. The only reason God is here this morning is because you brought him here. This isn't his physical address. He now lives inside of us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, and he says, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. God is no longer looking for a tabernacle or a temple to reside in. Now he wants to reside inside of our lives. Remember, the church is not a building. Church is not an event. Church is a people. Church isn't something we do. Church is something we are. You are the church. You are the church at your job. You are the church at your work. You are the church at your business. You are the church at Target. You are the church at Walmart. You are the church at school. You are the church at home. You are the church. We have to get past doing church and going to church. We have to learn to be the church because now we are the temple that God lives in. We are where God resides. Now, we saw in Matthew chapter 16 that Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus is building his church. I'm not building this church. Jesus is building it. Jesus is the one building the church. And Jesus is building the church. We're not building it. And the church builds people. People don't build the church. The church builds people. We're building up lives. We're changing lives. This church is here to change people's lives. This church is here to reveal the areas where we need Jesus, where we need the kingdom of God to reign in our life, where we need God to rule and reign in our life. That's what we need. And this church is to help us change those areas that we can't change on our own. And we'll do that. We want to bring hope to people that are lost that have no sense of purpose. We want to help people find that the favor of God is greater than any knowledge, any any background that you can have in your life. We want people to realize that they need Jesus. That's why this church is here. We can't change the world until we change where we're at here. Many people try to change what's beyond them And they're not changing what's within their reach and within their grasp. We want to take the opportunity to reach the people that are lost and dying in this city. And then watch it funnel out. Watch it fan out from there. But the people, people don't build church. The church is building people. Jesus is building his church. So what are we doing? We're contributors. 
we come to contribute. Paul said, I planted. Apollos, he's been watering. But it's God who brings the increase. It's God who's getting the credit. It's God who's getting the work done. And we just come alongside him and help run with the vision that he's given. Keep on going there. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Look, he even identifies the only reason I can do this, the only reason I can help God out in building up people's lives is because of his grace on my life. It's not because of anything I've done. It's not because of, any, of, of who I am. We don't qualify ourselves to do God's work. God qualifies us. And let me just go ahead and let you know something, just in case you're sitting there wondering, I really don't have anything to give. This is my past. This is my background. You know, I don't even know why God would want to use me. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God isn't looking for the right person with the right background and the right degree and the right kind of influence to make influence for his kingdom. He's calling people, and when you answer the call and say, yeah, I'll give myself, I'll give of my time, I'll give of my service, then what does he do? He comes alongside and says, all right, now here's what you need, and I'll give it to you. I will give you the grace to accomplish that. There are things that I've done in my life, the things that I'm doing today in ministry, that I, that I could have easily said, there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could be that person. There's no way I could impact that person's life like that. But when you give yourself to the grace of God, the grace of God that's empowering, the grace of God that shows up in the midst of your weakness, what did he tell Paul? He said, in your greatest weakness, my grace is sufficient for you. He's telling you that this morning. You're thinking, I, I, I can't give anything. I, I, don't have anything. I don't have anything left on my plate. I don't have any way that I can make. He's saying, my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, you're strong in me. He says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We all have something to give. We all have a way we can support. We all have a way that we can contribute. And if you still think you have some excuses, then take a look at Paul, who was literally murdering Christians, thinking he was doing it in the name of God. God converts him, turns his life around, and he becomes the greatest asset for, the Christi for Christianity today. There's nothing that we could ever endure in life that would surpass his resume. Shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, stoned. I mean, he, he's been through it all, man. And he's still able to say, the only reason I'm able to do the assignment God's called me to do in planting, in watering, in making influence in the church, helping to build people's lives, the only reason I'm able to do that is because of God's grace on my life. 
God's grace is available to you today. God's grace isn't a band-aid. God's grace isn't a cover-up. God's grace is an empowerment. God wants to empower you to do what he's called you to do. The, the, the call is always greater than what we see in ourselves. The call is always greater than where, you're see, than where you see yourself at today. But when you learn to operate in God's grace, that's when he works through you to fulfill the purpose that he's given you. He's got an assignment. He's got a purpose for every single person in this room. Verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on uh, built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? You are the house now that God is wanting to build. And he's wanting us to contribute to the cause and to the vision of building people's lives. There are many people that can already attest to what this church has done for them, to how this church has helped them, to how this church, where they would be in a completely different place today if it wasn't for people contributing to the vision that God has given this church. It's bigger than all of us, but it requires each one of us. In a couple of weeks, we have vision partnership available on the 25th. And those of you that have already partnered with the vision, I'm calling you to come alongside that partnership that you have given yourself to. Commit to what God is doing through this church. Commit to what God has assigned you to the roles that you have played. Commit to see people's lives change for the kingdom of God. We've got to get on fire for what God wants to do. This church isn't going to grow, and this church isn't going to continue to do what God has called us to do by accident. On Wednesday night, we were here, and about five minutes before service, I just felt a compulsion to just pray for the church and pray for the vision. And so we did for about an hour and 15 minutes. That's all we did. I had a whole service lined out, ready to preach. And God said, we're going to go in this direction. Why? Because the, the vision is important. There is no greater priority in my life than the vision of this church. And that's not just because I'm the pastor. That's not just because I moved all the way here. I had that passion before I got here. I have a passion to see people come into the kingdom of God. I have a passion to see people discover their true sense of purpose. I've discovered something great, that people without purpose are not just the ones sitting on on the side of the roads with a sign. 
I have found people that have tons of money, so much money, they don't even know what to do with it, but have no purpose in life. Don't know why they have that business. Don't know why they have that money. I have a passion to see people discover their purpose. You see these uh, trifold brochures laying around everywhere. And if you read through that thing, all it talks about is purpose. We want to help children find their purpose. I want to help teenagers find their purpose. I want to help college kids find their purpose. I want to help adults find their purpose. I want to find the ones that are looking for a job find their purpose. I want to find the ones that have a career find their purpose. I want to find the ones that are about to retire find their purpose. God is about us helping people discover their purpose in life. God is about us helping people discover their role in the kingdom of God. Those of you that are already partnered with us, continue to run. Continue to grab a hold of what God is calling this church to do. And if we have those that you haven't yet partnered with the vision, you haven't yet said, I will commit to serving the church, I will commit to attendance, I will commit to faithfully giving, if you haven't done that, prayerfully consider hooking up with what God is doing here. We're not the only church in town that's doing anything, I know that. But we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. God has given us a great assignment, but we can't do it without you. We can't do it without people that come with the heart to contribute, with the heart to give, with the heart to serve. And I can promise you that this church you will find will change your life. I believe that. I believe that. The thing that I encourage people with, I was just talking to someone the other day that they're kind of struggling on where they need to be at church, which church it is. You know, we just talked about God's will. We just got out of an entire series called The Solution, solving uh, the key to solving God's will. Because we all have that question, what's God's will for my life? We all know that God has a plan and a destiny for us, but what is it? How do I know what it is and how do I walk it out? But we said, if you remember in that series, that God is more concerned with the why than the what. God is more concerned with why you get married than with who you marry. God is more concerned with why you work at that job than he is with what job you work at. Well, there's this job and there's this job. And this one pays this amount of money, but this one's got this kind of... We can play that game all day long. But God wants to know, are you going to go to the job and do his purpose or your purpose? Are you going to go to the job and whine and complain about the boss that you work for and complain about the paycheck you get and they don't give me enough for a raise? Or are you going to go there and say, I'm going to be light and darkness. I'm going to bring someone to Christ. I'm going to help be an influence for the kingdom of God in that location. Because then it doesn't matter what job you work. And so I told him, I said, look, God is more concerned with why you're in church. What's your motive? What's your heart? Why do you want to find a local church? Why do you want to be a part of a church? And if you go to a church that, one, is preaching the word of God and nothing else but the word of God and preaching the whole word of God, then you need to get hooked up, you need to get plugged in, and you need to serve in that church. Because that's why you're in the church. 
you're in the church to be a contributor, not just a taker. And there's something we can get. Every service, I believe that people walk out of here with something different than they came through the door with. I believe that. We offer that every single week. But the people that I know that are the happiest in church, the people that I know that love church, love their purpose, are the ones that have put their hand to something, the ones that are watching kids twice a month, the ones that are helping with the worship team, the ones that are on the outreach team, the ones that are ushering, the ones that are giving of their time and of their service. Those are the ones that are the happiest. Those are the ones that know they're hooked up. Those are the ones that know I have found my true sense of purpose. God has such a great call, not only for this church, but other ministries. there's, There's ministers that I'm hooked up with in this town, and they're doing the call of God. I know that. I'm not here trying to ransack everyone's church and say you all need to come to Anchor Faith. Absolutely not. If that's where God's called you, then put your hand to it and get involved with what God is doing there. But I do know this, that God is calling people to come to this church. God is speaking to people and saying, that's where you need to hook up. That's where you need to give of your time. That's where you need to give of your finances. That's where you need to give of your resources. That's where you can be a blessing. That's the vision that I've called you alongside. Not the person, not the pastor, not the ministry, not the organization. That's the vision that I've called. Here's the vision. It's clear. It's written plain for you so that you can run with the vision. Be a part. Be a contributor. Be a giver. And those people are blessed. Those people are the ones that they're not. I'm not saying you won't have trials and tribulations, but I'm saying that you will have a light at the end of the tunnel. You'll have someone to go to. You'll have a pastor that will speak to you, not based upon how they feel or what they know about you, but based upon what the word of God says. You'll have spiritual, uh, godly fellowship that you'll be around. You'll have opportunities for the word to be invested in you. Women's meetings, men's meetings. We want to minister to our teenagers. We want to minister to our college age. We We want to minister to the whole group. This weekend, we're doing a kids' night for the kids. And no, that's not just a night to give all the parents a night off and be able to do what they want to do, which it serves that purpose. But it's ministry. We're ministering to those kids. We take time, every opportunity to invest in people's lives. You know why? Because I know that out there, there's other people that don't, don't want to take that opportunity. They don't want to take that opportunity. Those teachers don't want to take that opportunity to invest the word of God. Disney's not investing the word of God in your kids. There are many things that are investing in our life and we don't even realize it. So this church, every opportunity we get, we're going to invest. Invest and influence people for the kingdom of God. That's what God wants to do. That's what he's called us to do. We pray that you will contribute, that you will give, that you will be a part. When, when, whenever we give an opportunity to sow towards something financially, you should be on top of that. You should say, that's something I want to be a part of. Because when you give financially, you're hooking up. 
I showed you a video last week of a whole team that went to Nicaragua. When you give to that, to send someone there, it's as if you went yourself. It's as if you went and prayed for those people. It's as if you laid hands on someone. It's as if you spoke to someone. Those are ways that God gives us. Those are avenues to invest in people's lives. The Bible says that when one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. We all have a part to play. And when one person does something, it's as if we all did it. We don't win uh, in this church as individuals. We win as an organization. We win as a ministry. We win as a whole. We win as being a part of what God has called us to do. When someone is saved in Puerto Rico, guess what? We all rejoice with that. That's a win for all of us. That's not a time to sit back and say, well, man, I wish we were, you know, leading people to Jesus here. No, that's a win for all of us because that's what we're hooked up with. That's the vision that we're a part of. It's bigger than us, but it requires each one of us. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you for the vision of this church that you have given us. You're the one building. You're the one leading. You're the one guiding. Father, we know that we each have a part to play. You have called us, assigned us. You have given us a way to be an influence for your kingdom. And Father, there's many times that we come and we know that there's things that we need. There's things, there's areas that we're hurting. And Father, you want to meet those needs. You want to you take care of the hurts that are in our lives. You want to take care of the, the things that we're dealing with. You want to take care of the tough decisions that we have to make. But Father, we know what your word says. You said that if we would seek first the kingdom of God, seek first your righteousness, that all these things would be added unto us. Father, I know that the church your church is your greatest love, your greatest desire. It's your greatest passion. You are building your church. You have established your church. We can't redefine what church is because you've already defined what the church is. You've already defined what church looks like. So, Father, we want to grab a hold of the vision that you have given us, and we want to run with it. Because we know that when we come as givers, when we come to contribute, when we come to give of our time, of our finances, of our resources, when we give to serve, when we come to church looking to give something away, Father, we know that you are ready and waiting to bless us. Father, you have great plans for our lives. You have a great blessing in store for all of us. Father, I thank you that people are discovering their purpose in this church. I thank you that marriages are being mended in this church. Father, I thank you that people are beginning to find a sense of hope and peace in this church. Father, that people are starting to uh, gain an understanding and a value for your church. The church is devalued in the world. The world doesn't see the church as powerful anymore. The, the world doesn't look to church as the answer but father we know that the church is your answer everything we're looking for we can find in your church everything we're looking for we can find and if we would hook up with the vision 
of the place that you have assigned us, the place that you have called us. Father, we thank you that as we run with that, as we give, as we, get, we come to contribute, Father, that we will begin to find the purpose for our life. All those blessings that you have for us, we will begin to find them. They'll come running us down. They'll be added unto us because we seek first your kingdom. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for every individual, every family, every couple. Father, I thank you that they are blessed. I thank you that they have given up their time this morning to come and seek you to be in your presence, to hear your word, and to grow from it. Father, I thank you that this week is the greatest week of their life. I thank you that we begin to set in motion today a plan to put you first in everything that we do. You said in your word, no matter what we do, do it as unto the Lord. No matter what we do, no matter what job we go to, what school we go to, what, what uh, things that we do this week, we will do them as unto the Lord. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said...